We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers start their five-game homestand tonight against the Minnesota Timberwolves before playing the Golden State Warriors on Sunday. It's a big weekend for the team, guys. Every team that we play on this homestand is good but beatable, but... The Lakers are going to have to be on top of things. And so starting with that tonight, I'd love to start there. This is a team that when I look at and project out kind of the schedules of each team, Minnesota is one of the teams that I have very close to the Lakers in terms of final win total. So this is a, a, a real big one tonight. And I know you're doing the, the preview, the game preview for this game for Lakers.com. Love to hear your early thoughts on Minnesota tonight. There are some individual matchup things that matter, of course, in terms of this game. but. Almost my entire focus around the Wolves is still within the context of, of like standings watching. And mm-hmm. it's like this last 20 games of the season, it really is like Mike lives like this. Mike is in this mode 24-7, 365. But I think for people like you and me, Pete, like we dip our toe in the water and then we're just like, oh, OK, water's mm-hmm. still a little bit cold. For our liking, we're going to hang out and wait for things to get a little bit warmer. Well, guess what? Pools around 85 degrees right That's now, right. man. It's like, time like to jump we in. in we're watching every game. <laughs> it's, yep, absolutely. It is crazy. And, and so, like, if you wanted to dive into X's and O's about the Wolves, like, we certainly can. You know, I, I, I want to talk defense at some point. Just take that wherever you want. But I want to throw that out there because that's the one place that we can be the most similar to the fully realized version of the team that has LeBron and D'Lo and whatnot. I think that's what we can hang our hat on right now. Well, for sure. And I was thinking about this the other day when we were talking, right? And even within the context of of Troy and when, and in the last game, when we were talking about all of these individual performances and it was Dennis's offense and it was Austin's offense and it was Troy's offense for the, the most part. And we brought up Rui at the end and Rui's stuff was much more like this is the stuff that helps you win. Now, Rui yeah. hit some big shots, too. He had that three. He had a couple of, of finishes in the paint, and those were super important baskets. But 
I think if the Lakers are going to win games, it's going to be on the strength of their defense. They were in it against Memphis in the first half because of their mm-hmm. defense. And when and they came back against the Mavs on the strength of their defense, Mike. And so there is an oppressive version of a Lakers defense that they need to be able to access over and over and over again on possession after possession after possession. And and I'll kick that to you here because I think that if if they can do that, they will be in these games. And then it's just going to come down to like, then it's a matter of shot making. And can Dennis get to, to the basket? Does one of these role players make a shot that they're that that they maybe shouldn't make but do or like they ran a great action and they knocked down the shot that was open for them or did AD go off? These are all things that matter in the big context of the game. But I think their defense needs to be the more reliable part of their game, if that makes sense, because the nature of their offense is going to be hit and miss, I think, just based off of the types of offensive players that they have. Yeah, they're not a very good offensive team right now. There's no doubt. I think that you swap out Carl Anthony Towns for Rudy Gobert and then more recently, you know, Russell for Conley. And even with Edwards improving some, uh, they're just the style that they play is a lot more different and they're taking and making a lot fewer threes. So like last year, their percent from three or percent of field goal attempts from three was 45%, which is high. Now it's 38%. And that's goes from third in the NBA to 14th. And so they're they're just not they're not creating the same kind of shots. And then Gobert, it's weird. He had a good month of January in terms of net rating, but overall on the season, they're basically neutral when he's on the court. Um, so and considering how much they gave up for him, right? That's not what that's that's just not going to cut it. Right. Um, and you could say part of that's because well, Carl Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns is out, but that's just part of what complicates things further when he does come back. And, and if he does come back, nobody seems to know what's going on there right now how do you actually play those guys together um as opposed to just staggering them that's not a problem for today though for the lakers and so i kind of pete i'm gonna just agree with darius and say defensively this should be a good matchup for the lakers in terms of what they can force the wolves into mm-hmm. and to me you know gobert give him the ball as much as he wants uh, as long as you know ad is sort of there down there as the base you don't want him catching it right next to the rim or anything but they're they just don't have a, like Kyle Anderson starts good player, but he's not a, a high volume and, and getting a lot of a high accurate three point shooter. Edwards can get hot, but he can also get super cold. And he is not like when he has the ball in his hands, um, he is especially late in games, not the best decision maker at this point for as great of a talent as he is. So let me just kind of kick that to you. But I think if, if the Lakers lock in and play with the kind of intensity defensively they did um, in the, they have really since the trade and they get AD back, which they're expected to from uh, kind of refreshed after not playing the last game, uh, that to me is the recipe and then run out, right? Get threes, score a transition, use that home energy. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the recipe. I, I think you're spot on there. And it was funny as you were describing the Wolves and their tendencies and kind of weaknesses as a jump shooting team. I was like, this sounds like how teams have been guarding us or like basically the, when you give the scouting report of the Lakers, this is how you would describe us at times. You know, end of game decision making might be a little bit uh, lackluster, you know, and that's so that plays right into what we do naturally defensively, right? And this is something I, I wanted to get into uh, the last pod, but we didn't have time. But we went to a 2-3 zone and in the second half of the first quarter against OKC. 
when Isaiah Joe was on the court and Isaiah Joe can really shoot the crap out of the ball. Right. And it was interesting because I was watching it going, I totally understand why we would be in a two, three in a, in a zone look based on our talent, but based on their talent and their guys out there. And Stu was talking about this on the broadcast of like, when you are in a man to man defense, that means the offensive players and the offensive team has to have more individual shot making. Whereas when you're in a zone, you're essentially giving up or conceding certain shots. You can defend them better than others. There's different versions of the zone that can be more or less aggressive. But on a basic level, when you play a zone, you're saying, okay, there's going to be spots, particularly on the wings, where these three-point shots are going to be open. And that was something that matching the... And and then when we went back to man, we, we... were much better. And then in the second half, this is something I'm super curious about, D, that I think is a big storyline going forward. We started to switch a little bit more. And it's been something we haven't done much all year at all. And that's been probably appropriate considering how many guards that we played and small guards that we played. But I think that becomes more and more of a thing that we can do Vanderbilt's got that very unique inside-outside type of ability. We've got more personnel that can do that. And the times where we've really gotten cooked lately, including Giddy when he went off in the third quarter, Ja also in the third quarter in the Memphis game, is when teams kind of get in a rhythm and main ball handlers get in a rhythm against our drop coverage. And so just having that second pitch defensively, I think is going to be something that's important over the course of this weekend in particular when we play uh, uh, Minnesota and Golden State. Just that ability in some lineups, maybe less with Edwards out there, but in some lineups, lineups to be able to kind of stop the wheel and sequence from starting. Yeah, I think switching looks are going to be super important for this version of the Lakers and the version of the Lakers that hopefully gets LeBron back eventually. I think it's a great point that you make that the Lakers went from playing a bunch of like smaller guards to now really only having one small guard who gets real minutes. Now, Austin isn't a big guard like defensively and like guys will attack him and try to shoot over the top of him. He he is more of a, pos- a positional defender as a guard, which is not something you typically describe guard defenders. It, it's more how you describe like a power forward who isn't a shot blocker. But that's what Austin is. I will be interested to see how much they do switch, but I think they're going to need to do more of that with LeBron. So switching to me, Mike, is all about the versatility of your front court players. And because you can switch with smaller guards, you really can't. So this is sort of a misnomer, I think, and at least the way that I think think about the game. If you have smaller guards, you can switch. You just have to have the right counters or reactions after your small gets switched onto a bigger dude in order to then compensate for what that part of the matchup is. It could be a double team, right? You can zone up. There are different things you can do, but yeah, you have to be able to understand we're at a disadvantage right now. And this is what we do when that, when that happens. Yeah. And so a small gets switched on to a big, like common principles would be, and the Lakers do this is they front the post and they move the more strong side zone looks mm-hmm. right. And so they are sort of tagging from the backside, from the weak side corner, and saying like, we're going to draw in more support because that skip pass over the top is a harder pass to Mm -hmm. hit all the way across the court. And if they do throw that pass, you give that wing the opportunity to recover back. Mm -hmm. And then the guard is working his tail off to try to front 
and make the lob over the top of him just a little bit more difficult and make him make him throw it to a little a little bit higher a little bit more to the distance so that that weak side guy can then crash and then you sandwich him and and try to double the big and there's other tactics besides that but that's the one that the lakers have have been using and so when i talk about switching it's really more you don't want to switch your big guy out there if your big guy is just going to get cooked. Because if your big guy is going to get cooked, then switching doesn't matter at all, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like if you're just going to give up a straight line drive every single time that that you right. switch, then why are you switching? That's your what guard don't is switch. now down yes. there as low man. You messed everything up, right? But in AD, Vanderbilt, Rui, and LeBron, the Lakers have front court versatility. And even with Wenyon, they have front court sure. versatility where they can say, we can do a good enough job of containing at the point of attack with our forwards in order to allow help and not give up these, these straight line drives. And so I'm hopeful that the Lakers do start to switch more because it's a way to slow up other teams' actions, especially like motion-heavy teams that, that are really trying to put the Lakers at a disadvantage with their movement off of the ball because that's where some of the Lakers individual defense can be weak too, if that makes sense. I think a point of awareness that the, the Lakers have to have here is so first of all, the Timberwolves are just a little bit more talented compared to what they just saw in OKC without Shea uh, and without Kendrick Williams in there. Mm-hmm. And it's not though necessarily like just the obvious names. Like I think Nas Reed could be more dangerous to them than Rudy Gobert in a lot of ways. And, you know, Nas, Nas Reed can come in off the bench and kick teams asses. Sometimes he'll, he'll be on the offensive glass. He'll be finishing. He'll be stepping out for threes. Uh, he will jump in passing lanes. Like he is a, he is a high energy, pretty effective, big um, coming off the bench. And right now, right. The Lakers are kind of like they went with Gabriel a couple games ago. Then Bamba starts the game at OKC. And that's, you know, both of those are matchups that I, I would say the Wolves are going to have an edge in. Uh, and so what do the Lakers do in those types of minutes? And then, you know, how do they match up? Like, what do they want to happen when Gobert is on the court? And there's a couple other things like, you know, Torian Prince is a better player than people realize. Uh, McLaughlin, their point guard off the bench, is a basic no-name in the NBA that's actually a pretty good player and kind of a, a poor man's, although not that poor, like a, a decent man's Tyus Jones in a way, who's just a real steady hand gets the ball to the right spots, can make open threes. So there are some players I think that that the, the Lakers have to sort of make sure that they're aware of. And it's not just Anthony Edwards and Carl and Anthony Towns. Yeah. And so that's that's one thing. But Pete, the place that I'm looking at, it, aside from the scouting report and, and all of the breakdowns, this is just a big opportunity game for the Lakers uh, in terms of the standings and in terms of like actually making some headway towards getting into the play-in quick. And it's also the kind of game that if they don't, then you're right back into that having to rip off a three-game winning streak to get back into the position that they're in. So that's the uh, that's the the factor that I think, that, like when Darvin Ham is preparing the scouting report, it's like, hey, here's what you got to do with the Wolves and Rudy Gobert. But like, hey guys, hey, like this is a game. And I know that I'm going to be saying this a lot as we get down the stretch, but this is a game that you got to try to find a way to win. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got on Sunday, the Golden State Warriors looming with Steph Curry coming back and the Warriors on a four-game winning streak. And we're at that portion of the year where a defending champion is really going to at least try to turn it up as much as they can. And so, yeah, this is a big game tonight against Minnesota. And 
we've talked a little bit about the defensive end and, and guarding them and matching up. I love your point, Mike, about there's a sustained quality of play that they have because of guys like Reed and McLaughlin coming off of the bench and that they can be solid for 48 minutes in a way that we're not. <laughs> we're, we haven't been a steady uh, hand of a team all year. And uh, right now, circumstances have di- are dictating that as well. Um, and so that means to me that on the other end of the floor, the thing we need to be able to really rely on is Anthony Davis to be able to do what he's done to Rudy Gobert in the past. You know, like that's always been a tough matchup for Gobert. And as the years have gone on, I think the NBA world has seen when you pull him out to the perimeter in particular, it complicates their defense and it makes him a considerably less effective player. Of course, he's a great rim protector when he can be around the rim, but it's guys like Anthony Davis D that can pull him out that when AD's feeling good there's nothing to go bear can can do with him and so on in, on a team that's that's down our two leading ball handlers i think this right here becomes just essential to getting a win tonight is ad can be that offensive threat uh you know just as much as anything 100% about ad and some of this too is like how does go bear so how does Finch and Gobert, like how do they in tandem working together, right, in terms of the game plan, is how do they view AD? So AD has not necessarily been a high-level shooter in any of the seasons that he's been on the Lakers. Like he was fine in the nineteen twenty season. He was excellent in the bubble. But every other regular season, he's just sort of been a meh three-point shooter, mm-hmm. right? But – He's Anthony Davis, and certain defensive players have always been like, okay, well, we're going to devote a certain amount of attention to you regardless. And Gobert has always treated AD as if, like, I can't be too far away from this dude. Because if I'm too far away from this dude, then when he catches the ball, I'm in a disadvantageous position of having to close out against him. And it's not just that AD is can stretch the floor and shoot the ball. It's that he's got all of this quickness and handle ability off of the dribble that I think gives Gobert problems for a player who is basically almost the same size as him. And so, Mike, the biggest thing for me about the game plan is AD, regarding AD is, does Gobert treat him the way that, like he has in the past where he's always playing above the foul line as AD like picks and pops or, or spaces out, or is he more like, ah, I'm going to treat you the way that not to this extreme, but the way that like Draymond was guarding Russ last night. Man, We almost (laughs) opened the show with the Clippers, man. (laughs) You know, where it's just like, I, I, I don't care if you shoot this jumper, we're going to continue to just, leave this as the shot that's open. And so I don't have a feel for what Finch and Gobert are going to do, but the benefit of just having Gobert having to play foul line and and above, I think is, will be super useful if that's the way that, that it goes, because that's going to allow certain spacing principles to play out in a way that are going to benefit the Lakers offense. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Mike, I'd love to hear how you think McDaniels impacts this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, Jaden McDaniels, and you know, it, it's very important to me to identify twins properly, um, obviously, since I have identical twins. Uh, <laughs> Jaden has emerged, and you, you'll start to hear his name when, if you listen to some like national uh, NBA pods, it's emerging into all NBA defensive team. Is it, wait, could he be all NBA defensive first team type? Like he's starting to get some of that kind of buzz. And I think that it's mostly fair. You know, I still want him to, uh, to show a little bit more like he's 22. He's still kind of up and coming, but he, for the most part is taking on the toughest, toughest assignment um, every day and doing a really good job at it. And I think that he would be more valuable in this kind of a game if LeBron were playing um, than with LeBron out mm. because w- and it, it's a little bit in the same way that Jared Vanderbilt uh, can be really valuable if you've got LeBron and AD both on the court and he can just fly around and use his athleticism yep. and get the occasional offensive rebound. So Dan- McDaniel's like, he's got some nice game, but he's not really uh, going to create a ton of offense. Um, he's not really a great shooter, um, even though he'll hit the occasional shot. And, and his his percentage is pretty good this year. Like he's shooting 38% from three, but he's only taking three attempts. So that's like, you know, it's like 1.3 to 3.3. Um, as a little quick tangent on this, I was arguing last night on text with a friend about Anthony Davis and he was essentially trying mm-hmm. to give me the whole like, oh, AD only played a certain way in the bubble. And he, you know, the shooting was a was a a blip on the radar. And I was like, well, he in the ball, he only took three threes per game and he made like one point, whatever of them. It was one. I think it was 23 for 60. So if uh, if three of those go out, right, it's 33 percent instead of 38 percent. It was, it was one of those whole things like where I was going on that tangent. So. Um, so McDaniels is in that range where like a couple makes here or there, but you don't have to shift your defense, you know, to the way that he is out there. And I, I think that he is still like, he's a plus player for them, but, um, Pete, he is not, he's not going to guard AD really. Uh, and even if he does for a possession Mm -hmm. or two, right. uh, That's, that's a guy that AD can kind of put the body into a little bit and still shoot over, um, if he needs to, but really more of like the drive by and do his thing where he like has his long hands and his arms and he does that floater thing in the lane. Um, so that I'll, I'll stop there on McDaniels, but really good player. Uh, I just, I don't think has as much value when your star isn't there. My one concern though, is that he's been a really good perimeter defender in particular, in, in terms of like the ball, main ball handler that you have that has a little bit of size, the main scorer, like he's really going to track them and get up into them. Well, and, and, and Edwards does too, by the way. 
Yeah, Edwards is really yes. good in that he, sense as a ball pressure. Oh, he can switch over to whoever, and really, he's been he's been shutting people down when he wants to. So this is dangerous territory for a team without its two main ball handlers that are prone to physicality, right? Like, and so this is something that the the best sports analogy I can come up with is like in the NFL when you're facing an elite pass rush and you're down to your like third string left tackle. And you've got a couple other injuries on that line. And all of a sudden, you know, Rams fans know this experience. And so that getting up into Dennis, getting up into Austin, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, you know, like they're that's a a potentially tough recipe right there, D. And so one thing that I liked in the OKC game, though, was when both Dennis and Austin were in the game at the same time, I thought it provided enough collective ball handling in a way that when it's just one or the other, because like Austin can really get ball pressured. The Josh Green moment where uh, they got up in each other's faces was because Green ball pressured him and forced him into a turnover. Austin's prone to this, this particular turnover. So I don't know. That's something I look at with this game tonight, D, and that like their collective ball pressure uh, worries me. It should worry you. It worries me. The thing I will say is one of the ways that the Lakers offense can go from fine to danger zone. Yeah is how good, especially with this iteration of the Lakers without D'Lo and, and LeBron is, well, how good is Dennis Schroeder? Yeah. And we saw that first half, second half splits, like in the last game, and it was like, oh, well, if Dennis is going to miss all his shots, the Lakers are going to lose, right? They were down by three at halftime, and, and one of, the other reason why it was close was because like Troy Brown made every shot. Right. And you're not going to have that level of shot making from all the role players every single night. And you need a baseline level of of offensive production from from Dennis. Right. And when you brought up McDaniels, my my thought was, OK, who's Mike Conley going to guard? Right. Because if Mike Conley can find someone else besides Dennis Schroeder to guard, that allows McDaniels to guard Dennis. Right. And then you put Ant on Beasley and then the other matchups pretty much take care of themselves. Right. Like uh, you put Anderson on Vando and then Gobert on on AD and then that's sort of it. Right. And so this was if Mike, if Conley can guard Troy Brown, if the starting lineup stay the same and Conley, I expect Conley to be on Brown. And then at that point, McDaniels is going to be on Dennis. I feel like where it's just like, look, you just pick this dude up and bother him as much as you possibly can. And this this might be the pivot point of the game, I think. Yes, I, I think that Minnesota has defensive advantages without LeBron in, in the same way that like, yeah, McDaniels is best used because he can he can handle a guy like that or handle. But, you know what I'm saying? And this is why I started and you guys started with defense for the Lakers, because this this is a game where you got to create some advantages because Minnesota has some personnel that's going to really bother you. Uh, and it, like in a different way from OKC and, and even somewhat in the way like Memphis on the perimeter did. Memphis bothers you on the interior, uh, but not as much on the perimeter necessarily, like with Ja out there. Although Dylan Brooks does do a lot of that point of attack. Um, getting in your face with a bigger body type stuff. So, like, yeah, if I were them, mm-hmm. um, Conley definitely 
quote unquote hides on Troy Brown, which then you tell Troy Brown, hey, you got to be more aggressive and you have to create some advantage with that matchup, which Troy can do some. But if you've got and Edwards, he's more than happy to and he likes to. Sorry. Sorry, Mike, that. Yeah, that spoke to what you were saying yesterday, yeah. right? He's like, I have this in my game. He came out, I was rewatching the OKC game, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kick these dudes' asses. Like, that's absolutely his mentality. Right. And then, you know, also, that's a, that's a spot where maybe Rui, like, if you almost put him in so that you can draw McDaniels yeah. over to him. There you go. And then that leaves maybe Dennis. But if I'm then, then I put Anthony Edwards on shooter. But, like, the point is, Minnesota has some guys that can really disrupt and the Lakers right now, without mm-hmm. Russell and LeBron, are a little bit bereft of, of that creating the efficient offense. But they they still should be able to create the similar similar type of problems to Minnesota's offense and then use that energy and use the desperation and use the home crowd and all that. Uh, my The other concern that we should always mention coming off a three-game three trip, that first game home, and the tendency to relax – uh, hopefully is mitigated by the Lakers realizing where they are with things. But they're also at a disadvantage because the Wolves have been here now with uh, with a couple of off days. So they played the Clippers uh, here and have been here. Hey, that, might, that might be an advantage. You know, maybe, yeah, maybe. historically a couple of days off in L.A. isn't always bad for us. That, that's <laughs> uh, that's the that's the flip side of looking at it. But if if we're assuming that everybody is is on their is doing their very best to just get ready for the game. <laughs> which you know preparing for the worst as an aside i went to the south bay game last night and our old friend matt ryan was there we were playing the celtics scotty pippen jr hit a game winner let's go we got the wins at our back from the basketball gods that's the way i i took that last night but yeah our our old friend matt ryan was at the game watching his former clubs there you go shout out to matt ryan Nice man. <laughs> we uh we we'll have to someday tell our story about the the nuked uh, bit of content around Matt Ryan, Mike. It's a it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's just leave that teaser out there. But yes, right. that, that was right. that was unfortunate. <laughs> so this is still going to come back then to AD, right? And how dominant and how good can AD be? AD is going to be put in a position where I think he's going to have to score and score a lot against one of the preeminent big man defenders in the entire league. How much Gobert bothers him is up for debate. And I think Mm -hmm. we could go back and watch the tape and you could see whether or not AD gets up or not for Gobert and and how he treats these, these matchups. But AD is going to play in a crowd. He's like, Minnesota is going to try to make it hard on him. But if he gets his mid-range going, it could be a 35 and 15 and three blocks night Mm -hmm. for him. Before we pivot to the Warriors, the Edwards matchup. Yeah, I was going to ask Mike that. Um, I think it probably starts with Brown. Well, I don't know. Mike, what do you think? You're more equipped to answer this. Oh, it's... um... I think it's Brown to start. I think you use uh-huh. I think you use Vanderbilt more as the switch up, you know, and like if yeah. he gets hot and kind of showing him different looks. And you Edwards is the is the kind of guy who's a I, I first of all I love him. Like I love his attitude. I love the way that he plays. But he is he is still growing in his knowledge of basketball, like mm-hmm. relative to other NBA players. You know what I mean? So he's he's not like the most cer- a cerebral all star player there because he was just a guy who was awesome at everything. Growing up, incredible athlete, incredible at all kinds of sports. And basketball came so easy to him that he just crushed everybody growing up. And like it, it, so, and here he is, 
still young. And he's, I believe, still 21. And yes, he is still 21. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, this dude doesn't turn 22 until August. Wow. So he's, he's an unreal talent. He, he really is. And he's just a, so, but he's the kind of guy that, um, I, I, I'm fine with him being really aggressive early and like, and if he gets, if he really gets a rhythm, that's when you have to do something different with him, but he may just not be in rhythm that night. And he might, and you might be up 10 before he stops taking bad shots you know, and starts to look to distribute mm. a little more. And like Mike Conley right now, Pete, you've you, I think I like Conley's this, uh, this year, like what he did in Utah a little bit more than you did maybe, but as I've watched him you more know, recently, my, uh, he's, our, my uh, Conley yeah. slander on the, on the text thread is more about like, you know, do we want to win an NBA championship at some point? Mike Conley's a, a professional player who's like going to do a good job at what he's doing. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's going to keep the, the train running. Right. So he's, but he's somebody that if he's got the ball more early and then he's trying to make sure Gobert is getting enough touches and he's trying to get him going, he's right. like that to me sometimes can be harder on the defense than just sort of Edwards attacking and playing ISO ball and trying to score like that. So I wouldn't discourage that from the start, you know, by immediately putting Vanderbilt and trying to get in cross matches and all that kind of stuff. But I do think that he's, he's got to be there because you're, you're otherwise you're not going to you're just not going to get as much value out of Vanderbilt uh, when LeBron isn't also on the yep. court kind of creating different advantages. Yep. And I think we've seen that these last couple of games. I'm just interested in whether or not the Lakers throw any sort of variety of looks at, at Edwards um, when he was the lone sort of offensive weapon that needed to be stopped against the Warriors a few nights ago. Um, the Warriors basically went to like a box in one. They made his reads difficult. They were ball denying him all over the court. And it was like, and Edwards really couldn't get, get it going. And he is their main driver of offense. Gobert is not a shot creator. Mike Conley is more of a Trent Dilfer now than what he was earlier on in, in his career, right? He is a caretaker QB back there. And, and and McDaniels is not a shot creator creator slow-mo is not a shot shot creator like on down the line um without towns and then they didn't replace delos shot creation in that trade they got conley right and and, and so they have edwards is the main guy who can really propel their offense pete to to higher levels and throwing him different looks and not just giving him the same drop coverage like oh he's gonna run 20 pick and rolls and here's ad in a drop and we're gonna give you the pull-up jumper like i get that that is the strategy that the lakers typically deploy but a week and a half ago or two weeks ago you had started to mention like it's it like game plans gotta be team specific yeah playoff level game plans right like and, and starting to find ways to disrupt what what teams are doing and it's like this is one of those times. Yep. This dude is their offense. And if you can slow him down, then you're in a much better position. If you don't have anything to add there, Pete, I just wanted to pivot then to the Warriors because the Warriors are a completely mm-hmm. different style. It's not one dude who is going to do everything, although it has been reported that Steph may try to come back in Sunday's game against the Lakers. Shocking that a star player would (laughs) make his return from injury or after some games off against the Lakers. But that's also another important game. Yeah, the Lakers saw them at a low point 
right before the break and it just seemed like they were trying to get through that spot. All right. Steph isn't quite back yet, but they thought in their own minds, if you talk to people around that arena, that they had a run coming. Uh, and I think they liked the fact that the, this was a, this is a good year in the Western conference to, to be able to sort of ease into things coming off of a championship, especially when they really didn't add anything. Mm -hmm to their roster. And I've talked about that many times. So, so I won't belabor the point here, but they trade Wiseman. Uh, he clearly, th there was just some awkwardness there, right? Like it's number two pick. They feel like they have to play him, but they can't because the net rating when he's on the court, is just not working. So he's out. They get Gary Payton, the second back. He's still not healthy. They think he's going to come back at some point and, and he could be sort of an additive to this team, but uh, Wiggins has been gone for a while. He's on, on personal matters. He, I think he will be back soon from what I've heard. But they've they've found some other guys to step up, like DiVincenzo's playing much better. Um, he's kind of become a guy that, that they think they can put in the rotation. They've uh, Kaminga has emerged some um, in taking the minutes that Jermichael Green maybe was playing earlier in the season, and he seems like he could be a piece. Draymond, you can tell, is starting to up the level. And the biggest difference has been Clay. Clay just looks much better. So he, he's had two of his best offensive months um, of his career, yeah. and he's he. There's this kind of misnomer, I think, about Clay, where people tie him to Steph in certain ways, and as well they should have as this amazing duo. But like Clay is a dog. Clay yeah. Clay is excited when Steph doesn't play because he gets more shots. <laughs> like Clay, he he seems like this in his like oh shucks oh whatever. Like everybody loves Clay, but that's not Clay. Like Clay's pissed if he doesn't get a certain amount of shots in a given night, even if it's Steph Curry. Steph's the one guy who he can kind of understand looking him off of a shot <laughs> but if jordan Poole dares to do it you know what uh -huh. i mean so he's and you want that by oh, the way yeah you want that in, in your in, in his defense getting a little better so anyway they've they've gone from a team when the, if you just watched the laker game darius was there you thought i don't know this team's got it this year if you watch them since the all-star break like i wouldn't want to play them in round one if i'm phoenix or if i'm i guess sacramento if phoenix passes sacramento or wh whatever that mm -hmm. is or if Golden State could pass. So like they're they have fall they're ahead of this group that the Lakers, I think, trying yep. to operate out of. The Clippers have slipped down um 0 and 4. It, they've lost four straight. And we know what's going on with like them trying oh. to figure out the, the new situation with Russ being there. And so yeah, so I just I'm elevating Golden State and it's gonna be a much tougher game, especially with Steph coming back, than the Lakers saw um in San Francisco. With the one caveat that sometimes when a guy comes back, it can sure. Even if it's Steph Curry, it can junk things up a little bit. And that's it's Kevin Durant, who like just always in his first game back looks perfectly suited to fit in any basketball context. <laughs> it's the beauty of skill, right? There's a universal language in that. Um, yeah, that's going to be a hard game to win on Sunday. It's also difficult to beat a team three times in a row in a short period of time. Um, the first time we beat them was already post-trade, right? D'Angelo Russell was a big part of that win, hit some big shots down the stretch of that, made a, a, you know some big plays. And so we then we blew them out at home. That's the one saving grace, D, about uh, this schedule coming up is that they're all at home. And if you look at most of these teams, their home and road record splits are pretty severe. And so, yeah, big five game homestand coming up right now uh, this weekend versus Minnesota and Golden State. They're playing so well right now that I, I really think tonight becomes amplified. And then hopefully Sunday is a bit of house money on that front. But we'll see. 
So I said this before in advance of the three game trip and when the Lakers still had one one game left and I was just like, you know, expletive, like win, win all four. I hear you on the found money point, Pete, like Friday's game is super important, but yep. Sunday is too. Yeah. And go get them both. Yep. Like the Lakers are every single time the Lakers get to within three <laughs> games of of 500, something happens. And so knock on wood, I'm knocking on wood right now. Maybe you can hear that, that they they get over that hump this time. I would love to talk on Monday and be like, the Lakers are 32 and 33. I'll be so pumped up, man. I'll be so psyched. They're in the 10th seed. They look like a team that even without LeBron mm-hmm. is making a push to do something the way their head coach is rallying them to do something. We're getting all these clips post game of Darvin being like, this is what I'm talking about. And they're at home now. Ride that go. wave. Write it. They've got talent to beat these these teams. They can beat Minnesota. Steph comes back. They can beat the Warriors. They can beat this team. They've got Anthony Davis. They've got all these athletes now. Go out there. Play hard. Use your size. Play with force. Go get some W's. I love it. Let's go into the weekend with that. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant. 48 points. 16 rebounds. Back with his eighth block. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Brian, unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Brian. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.